Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, folks. Sorry, uh, Jeff accidentally unplugged the microphone and we couldn't hear each other. So we're back in business here. Um, so we're looking at hot weather. And before everybody gets all excited, oh, look, the one of the weather stations shows a 60% chance of rain on Monday. Yeah, ain't happening. Um, they're already kicking back the percent rain on later forecasts. Still going to be 100 plus degree weather. And you may be lucky enough to be someplace where you get some rain. It doesn't look like it is permanent, and this is what we're going to wind up getting. Um, we're, we're still a ways away, folks. We may not see any real rain till September or later. Now, a little you know, a tenth to a quarter of an inch. Hey, that makes a difference. But it's nowhere near enough that it's going to balance out our annual rainfall. And that's the thing. We are so far behind in our rainfall that even if we get all of that made up again, if we make up the loss for the year, All through the month of September, that means it's going to be nothing but flash floods. We're like 10 inches behind. And 10 inches of rain in a single month is about double what our wettest month would give in a single year. So it's it's going to take a while to restore the water levels. It's, It's going to take a while. Now, that being said... When California got hit with its drought and drained almost all of its reservoirs, it took less than five years to reach the point where they were flooding. Reservoirs were full, all the water containment was there, and they were flooding because they had so much rain over that period of time. We don't want that environment. That is not what we're looking for. So let's... uh, Let's cross our fingers and hope for the best. Let's go to the phone. This is Rachel. Rachel, what can I help you with? Yes, I live in Bastrop, and I have clay soil. And the only thing I can get to grow is lantana and the bogavellas. Is there anything else that will grow in clay soil? Yeah, I got a guide for you. It's online and it's free. It's called the Grow Green Guide, put out by the city of Austin. And they list plants and the environment they need to grow in, whether it's rocky, clay, you know, whatever. The guide is free. You can find it at growgreen.org. And it has pictures and it has plenty of information to tell you this is when it blooms, 
This is the kind of soil it needs, um, deer resistance, things like that. But that's a good starting point because there's more than just those two plants that will grow in that environment. Now, the other trick is amend the soil. When you dig the hole into the clay, um, make sure you add lots of organic matter, sometimes something like decomposed granite does a better job of making the clay drain really, really well. But that guide will give you a whole list of plants that do particularly well um, in uh, what they call the black lamb prairie, which is where you're at. And the beautiful plants, uh, trees, shrubs, all kinds of flowering plants, and it's a good starting point um, to help you battle that rather poor soil. Okay, thank you so much, I appreciate it. You bet, thanks for the call, Rachel. Yeah, folks, the Grow Green Guy does break down and tell you this is a plant that does well in the Blackland Prairie, or this is one that does well on the Edwards uh, Plateau. The difference being rocky versus clay. And there are a lot of plants that do just fine in the poor environment. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, we gotta take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, folks. Another hot, miserable day. You know, I've been telling people, if you don't need to be in the garden, don't be in the garden. It's too hot. Nothing needs fertilizing right now, okay? Nothing needs fertilizing. Too many times we think, oh, it looks bad, throw some fertilizer on it. Nope. That is not the problem. The heat and the drought are the problems. And they're really bad problems this year. So what should you be doing? Well, this is the perfect time to be getting your fall seeds started. My wife started our fall tomatoes, uh, I guess it's been five weeks ago. And we're going to have to pot them up because they've gotten so big in their starter trays that we're going to put them in a bigger pot And it because it's still not time. It's still not even remotely time to stick them in the ground. We have way, way too much heat yet. Um, you're going to have to provide them with too much water to keep them happy and healthy. Having your plants potted inside lets them grow lets them get big and healthy so that when the weather finally breaks when you put them in the ground they're going to be more adapted they're going to be happier stronger they're going to be able to do the things that you want them to do whether it's lots of big flowers or lots of big tomatoes the weather has to break first to give our best performance for the plants. When does that happen? No idea. That's part of the problem. 
we don't know when we're going to finally break out 100 degree temperatures. And from the looks of it, not in August. I mean, today's the 26th. That means we have five more days left in August. And the current weather report shows that every one of them is going to be above 100 degrees. Will we be better in September? Don't know yet. We can only hope. Let's go to the phone. This is Anita. Anita, what can I do for you? Hi, Jeff. A couple days ago, I noticed my Yopon holly uh, in the front yard. looks like some of the limbs are dying, and other limbs are starting. The leaves are turning yellow. This this tree has been there since before we bought the house in 1987. I mean, it's a well-established, and, and I've been watering underneath it because there's plants underneath, but I haven't been, like, giving it tons of water. What What's going on? How often have you been watering? Well, I water the plants almost every day, and there's several pots under there. Um but I have not been watering the grass at all. I, I'm i not going to waste the water on, you know. Yeah, same here. Same here. I haven't watered my turf this year. So uh, you, you need to check this, Anita. Take one of the pots and move it if you can. And where the pot was sitting, stick your fingers into the dirt underneath the yopon. I mean... Your finger in as far as you can and see how wet it is. I have a feeling that water is draining out of those pots. And with you watering them every day, there's going to start to build up on the yopon. And that's not something that it's really wants for an environment. Now, be, you know, I've got the same problem. My yopons look pretty poorly. They're well-established. They're in places where they get water. I don't water, but maybe they get them once a week. Um, and they look pretty poorly. Even though the yopon is a native plant, even though yours are really well-established, we have had a very, very long, continuous run of not just 100-degree temperatures, but somewhere between 105 and 110. Those are brutal. Those are just too much for those plants. So first, check and see how moist is the soil around those yopons. Don't care about your container plants. Actually put your fingers in the dirt around the yopon and see how damp it is under it. Number two, you may simply be batter, battling, excuse me, plants that are just not happy. Now, we hopefully have no idea, but I have hope that we will be in some semblance of much more normal weather in the next couple, three weeks. And your yopon should recover nicely once we get there. But right now, that's the only thing that you should be checking. 
because you're watering under there into the pots, the pots, water will run out of those. And because you're watering every day, that'll start to build up under that yopon. Check and make sure that it's really as dry as you think it is. Because um, too much water can cause the conditions you're describing. Personally, I, I think it's heat. I think it's just been so dang hot that even our most adapted plants are about ready to give up. <laughs> well, I know I'm about ready to give up. Uh, oh, hey, I already did. I haven't been outside in the garden to do anything in a month, and I don't see myself going out there again for at least a couple more weeks. Okay, well, I'll cross my fingers, but a yopon, I just, you know, it being a native plant, and I, I just really hate to see anything bad happen. I mean, the ice already took part of it out, so. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> have some faith in it. It is a native. You have a very well-adapted one. That just leads it to make a good, strong comeback once we get into regular weather. Yes, we will get into regular weather, Jeff. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Mm -hmm. uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Let's see. Getting close to a break here at the bottom of the hour. Um, really have to tell you, folks, you can, there are things that you want to do that won't make a difference. It is just too hot. The best you can do is if you can provide some water. Remember, our native plants do not need water every single day. But they do need some. Maybe once a week, that may make a big difference in how they do. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're at the bottom of the hour. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Lee. Lee, what can I help you with? Yes, I got a, a rubber plant in a pot, and it's just going straight up. There's, all, there's like four plants is going up. I want to be able to get them full. How can I do that? They're about tip four them. Off. I'm sorry? Tip them by tip them by cutting off oh maybe the top two inches. Okay. Uh cut right above where a leaf is coming out. And that will encourage it to put out and start to spread out further. Okay, I, and it won't kill it. I'm just worried about killing it. Only if you cut it flush to the ground, uh, you're okay. just going to take the top two couple of inches off of any of those uh, spikes coming up. 
Okay. Well, that's all I need to know. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for the call, Lee. Yeah, with many plants, with many plants, you can encourage them to bush out by cutting off the tip, the couple inches worth of a particular runner, whether it's a vine, like Lee's case where he's got a rubber plant, um, even things like roses. Cutting them will encourage the side shoots to appear. Now, let's say you had watermelon and it started to run like crazy at a 12 foot long watermelon vine. If you would have cut it when it was only about six feet long, maybe eight feet if you have enough room in your garden, if you'd have cut that tip off, that two inches, all of the side shoots would have start filling out. It's called apical dominance. By removing the one main runner, all of the side shoots now can start producing more growth, which means they can produce more flowers and fruit. It's kind of a nice trade-off um, where you can have one real long run and hopefully you'll get good growth and fruit off of the vine, or you stop that vine and you'll see that you'll get more growth, more fruit from the side shoots. Same with many plants. You got a rose where you got a runner that's just going straight up in the air. Cut the tip. That will force it to produce side shoots. Same with things like uh, blackberries. They want to grow tall and straight. When you remove that leader, that one tip with the apical dominance, it will be passed down to all the other shoots. And they will get their opportunity to start growing longer and longer. Doing so can produce a lot more points for blooms, blossoms and produce more fruit that way. Sometimes it's a lot easier to manage the plant rather than have some big tall runner you got to pick from. Having a bunch of shorter runners with more fruit on them makes it easier to get. Now, there was a, a question, someone, and, and I've seen this. Um, I've had my drip irrigation chewed up way too many times um, by rabbits. They, they recognize moisture comes out of the drip irrigation. So they'll sit there, and if the drip happens to be on, they'll lick the drips of water. But if it isn't, they'll chew into it, trying to get to that water that they know is there. This is expensive. Uh, I worked once with some uh, um, Texas A&M guys doing some uh, field work, literally out in uh, various fields in Texas doing management. And that was their constant problem. Whenever they had drip irrigation, they always had 
the various rodents, mice, rats, squirrels, possums, uh, rabbits, all of the chewers out there chewing the irrigation, and they have to keep replacing it because it wasn't working again. Now, someone has texted me that they're seeing this kind of problem. There's two things you can try. The most obvious one, Liquid Fence makes products that you can spray on the hoses, spray on the ground nearby, and they will chase away the rodents, just like Liquid Fence has deer uh, protection, you can find their products that has a rodent protection. Now it can last uh, two weeks to a month, but that's a lot easier to do and cheaper than constantly replacing your drip irrigation. This stuff can also be sprayed on the plants. If they stop getting the drip and they start eating the leaves, that's one thing you can do. The second one is um, hot pepper spray. You can use it. It is very humane. Most of these rodents don't like the smell of it. And they have heat sensors in their tongue, just like humans do. And they don't like the hot stuff. So one of those two products can be sprayed on both the plants and the product, the drip lines, to help keep the rodents away from it. Is it perfect? You know what? If they're really thirsty, you're not going to stop them. If they're really hungry, no, nah, they're, they're going to chew it. But it is an inexpensive and can be very effective starting point to get control back over the creatures that are, you know, it's bad enough they're eating your plants, but they're eating your infrastructure. And that is not good. That is not good. Let's go to the phone quick. This is Kay. Kay, what can I help you with? Yes, I have a goji berry plant that I put in the ground when I moved up near Fort Worth. And I heard you say one day that you have one, and I wonder how you take care of it. The thing is so prone to spreading, but still, it's really a good plant and seems to survive almost anything. That's right. And Kay, I have always been told, and this is how I take care of mine, Treat it like a rose. It doesn't need large amounts of fertilizer. You want it in something that drains well. You don't want to flood it. It doesn't really need that kind of water. But if you treat Uh it like a rose, it will do very well. Mine has been in a container for, wow, I bet you 10 years now, maybe longer. And it's... Hmm. I, you know, I got it so I could eat the berries. Not impressed. All right. They, they aren't that tasty. So now it just becomes uh, a draw for the mockingbirds. They, they absolutely go crazy oh, yeah. <laughs> eating those oh, berries. Yeah. So 
I figured, okay, fine, they can have them. But it has well, done I, very well. I found that the berries uh, don't have that aftertaste if you let them get really ripe. They're much better. If you get, even when they're red, if you get them too quickly, they, they do have that aftertaste. But I eat them anyway. But, you know, I put it in the ground four years ago, so it made it through that awful freeze without any protection. I didn't give it anything. And it is at the foundation of the house on the southeast side. And it tends to make its way around the corner. I have found yeah. sprouts coming up. But I just pull them out, and it's not that big a deal. I just wasn't sure how to take care of it. It's looking kind of peaked now because I haven't given it supplemental water. It gets whatever you know, happens to come right. <laughs> from the other. Mine place. happens yeah. to be in a container, and when we go out to water our container plants, it gets some. Not a lot, but it gets some. Okay. So that's kind of helped it out. Listen, when you pull up these shoots, are you pulling mm -hmm. them up and they still have roots on them? Most of them don't because uh, the the ground is so hard. When I pull, uh, it comes up with some a little bit woody looking, like it's close to the root, but not quite. Because they are a great gift plant. I mean, they're oh, well, not too invasive but they're True. so industrial mine survived the freeze and both freeze and the ice storm and so far mm -hmm. is surviving this heat so i don't i don't eat them for the berries but uh they're attractive the hummingbirds like mm -hmm. the flowers and uh the mockingbirds love to eat fruit so they're great plant but i think treat them so. like a rose yeah. Okay, thank you. That's what you I bet. needed to know. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Kay. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Listen, uh, our our conversation with uh, Kay, she was talking about goji berry. It's a lyceum. I'm sorry, I don't know the second part of that. Also known as wolfberry. They were a big fad 15 years ago. Um, high in antioxidants. People were buying dried ones and, you know, snacking on them. Come to find out that most of them were being treated and the stuff they were being treated with, yeah, that just wasn't the best. And they quickly fell off. But they are a plant that will grow here in the Austin area. Um, Kay was talking about growing them in the Fort Worth area. They're an attractive plant. They have a white and purplish small flower, less than a diamond diameter. Hummingbirds will come and hit on it really quickly. And mockingbirds absolutely love the berries. They, uh, 
I have walked out to mine, and there'd be a mockingbird eating berries, and he would just go faster and faster and faster the closer I got to the point where he was like, dang it, you make me fly away, came right back after I left. So it is a good industrial plant. Um, we both mentioned that ours had survived the freezes. Mine is still growing in this heat, not producing a lot of berries, but this fall will be uh, pretty heavy. Let's go to the phone. This is Carol. Carol, what can I help you with? Oh, um, I have a nice big patch, or I had a nice big patch of Asiatic jasmine, and uh, the freeze and the deer got to it, and I'm wondering once this uh, heat wave is over, if there's anything I can do to bring it back to life. It's in the sun, um, mostly in the sun now. It used to be in the shade till the tree fell down. So, <laughs> any pointers? Well, that may be part of a problem. You may see it start to shrink a little bit if it's getting too much sun. Uh-huh. But it should come back once we get rain again. Uh-huh. That way that way it should start filling back in for the most part. Uh-huh. Now, it'll be it'll be kind of like Bermuda grass. Bermuda grass loves full sun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't grow well in shady places. St. Augustine's the exact opposite. St. Augustine likes the shadier places and really has a hard time with full sun. You will probably have patches of your jasmine that, depending on how much sun they're getting, they may not be the happiest. But it should come back if we can just get rain. <laughs> um. So they like the sun, then, you're saying? They're not a big fan of it. They would prefer... Oh, they, like the shade. they would prefer the not direct sun. But, uh-huh. you know, there are a lot of plants they'll tell you, oh, you got to grow that in the shade. Uh-huh. And no, you don't. I have a uh, Turk's cap, which is known as a shade plant. Okay. Well, I have one that's on the west side of my house, Totally exposed to full sun all day, and it's going on just fine. Oh, yeah, I have the same thing. It's in the sun. It's doing great. Okay. Um, Another question. I have these big weeds in back of my fence. they got uh, long spear tip-shaped leaves, and they've got this curving uh, flowering stock. It was uh, little white and greenish-white flowers, and now they're turning into purple berries. What the heck is that? Well, the purple berries... Well, it's a six to eight foot tall weed. Hmm. They're really big, and they're just really prolific. I mean, they try to spread to my yard, and I pull them out, but, uh, and they're suffering in the heat well, right now, which is great, but uh, I'm just wondering being, what they call that. Being that big mm-hmm. threw me off, because what you described kind of sounded like um, nightshade. But I've never seen six to eight foot tall nightshade. That doesn't mean it's not possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't seem likely. Is it? Um, I'm wondering if the, the way you describe the leaves. I'm wondering if it's little leaf ragweed. 
little leaf web. There's the nothing weed. little about the leaves. There's several inches long, and, you know, I call them oval, except they're pointed on the end, so it looks more like a Zulu spear tip. It's a misnomer. Oh. It is. You will uh, see it called little leaf ragweed, and it could still have those type of leaves on it. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, somebody texted and said, could it be uh, pokeweed, sometimes pokeweed. called inkberry? I have, that's not a bad guess because the berries are really dark mm-hmm. when they are ripe. And um, it can get much taller and it's particularly difficult to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So that's a good deep root and it will come back on you every year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll look it up online. Uh, those are good possibilities. And so, yeah, the deer got to the jasmine, too, but I think I've solved the deer problem. So, uh, uh, okay, so kind of partial sun on the jasmine then. And do they like yes, any particular can. compost or anything, anything I can help them out with when the weather breaks? Everybody, everybody would like a little compost. <laughs> okay. Half an inch if is fine. Okay, well, thanks for your help. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for the call. Um, that was a good guess on the pokeweed. Uh, that is not something that um, would have come to mind for me, and I've got it coming up everywhere. Um, American Beautyberry. Oh, yes. Um I have it grow. I've seen it growing in full sun. Mine is growing in a pretty shady environment, and the mockingbirds do endless battle trying to eat the little purple berries. I have plenty of it reseeded. I have lots of volunteers. None of them have managed to go more than about, oh, I don't know, if they're lucky, two foot tall. I'm not sure what that's about. Could it be Beautyberry that keeps coming back? Mm, possibly. I don't think the leaf design's correct. The flowers are pinkish white, dark purple berries. Could be. It could be. And you can get volunteer Beautyberry. So I guess it's not impossible. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We're going to break for the news. I'll catch you all on the other side. <laughs> 